You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com. The largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton, Dylan Terriman, and Alex Varallo. Good evening, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Jet Nation Radio. I'm happy to say that we're on a more positive note this week as the Jets grab their first win of the season. I'm joined by my co-host, Dylan Terriman. Glad to have you aboard, and uh, Glenn will be calling in later on this show. But Dylan, it's uh, been a while since you and I have been on the uh, the podcast here, and and uh, just definitely glad that uh, we're talking about a Jets win. So uh, how's everything going, bud? Yeah, great to be back. Finally, it's been months. It's been a hectic uh, last half of summer for me, but we traversed through it all. And, hey, perfect timing. I come back, we get a win, an overtime win nonetheless. So we get free football, an extra fifth quarter, and it was a great game. You were there. The whole Jet Nation crew was there, so you guys had – probably a time of your life so glad to be back talking positive things and let's keep this train rolling absolutely yeah it was a lot of fun uh being at the jet nation tailgate got to meet some really really cool people from the forum uh you know just getting to see some people that you know basically haven't seen since 2019 because last year was just uh you know, uh, we skipped a year because of the pandemic. But, uh, yeah, you know, that, that football vibe, going to the stadium, doing the tailgate, um, you know, eating way too much food and, uh, you know, consuming delicious cold beer with with the friends and everything like that uh, definitely felt like a little bit of normalcy. So uh, that was a really, really, really fun time and, and, and uh, looking forward to the next Jet Nation tailgate. But, uh Dylan, let's just jump right into this thing here, and uh, I'm going to throw the ball your way, and uh, yeah, just go ahead and, and give us, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, what you saw, and, and, and give us your takeaway from, from this game, and, and if you even want to touch a little bit about, you know, what you saw from previous weeks and what's changed into this week, you know, just give us what's on your brain. Yeah, I think when you look at the last month, I mean, collectively, each game came down to a few misses here and there. Obviously, last week against Denver was a collective failure, but when you look back against Carolina and New England specifically, they were in the ball game for most of the game, you know, just a couple key leaks in the boat here and there that ended up sinking us in the end. But I think you saw in this fourth game, it all came full circle. You saw the big splash plays from Zach Wilson. You saw all the receivers, for the most part, catching the ball and not letting him down in positions when he had that slim opportunity to make it and he put the pass on him and they were dropping it early on. Everything came together offensively. The the play calling looked a little bit better from what I've seen on the all 22 so far. I mean, it looked like Mike LaFleur was taking the criticism he was hearing and putting it to good use. So that was good. And defensively, I mean, we all had CJ Mosley high on our list, but I think you were spot on having him number one on the list of the top jets on the whole team because the the work that 57 is doing in the middle is just unprecedented he's changing plays which 
Rob Sala said in his press conference yesterday is not something they do in their defense. So for him to change the play on at least one occasion, there could have been multiple in the game that weren't completely revealed, but to just change the, the play like that and come away with a staff on that play specifically is just incredible. So you love to see it. I think the rookies are playing really well. Michael Carter, the second specifically is the one that I've been keeping my eye on. He's been doing really well. I don't see him making any mistake. He's passing off good zone coverages and he's playing tight man. He had that really nice pass breakup against uh, Terrace Marshall the, uh, the first week. So he's been playing well. And other than these little nagging injuries like Hamsa, I mean, it's been pretty healthy. The offensive line has been good. So the, the play hasn't been good. Their health has been good, I should say. So collectively, I think this fourth game was a, a full circle moment for the Jets. And I think they can hopefully stack these types of wins up going forward. Yeah, and it's interesting how you just mentioned that. Um want to do um, – Let's just talk about some injuries right now while it's on the brain. Um, in recent news, looks like Hamza Nasrul-Dean is being put onto the IR. Um, I actually have not looked that up. I'm, I'm trying to look, at, look it up right now. Um, let's see here. So they moved up Isaiah Williams to the active roster. He's just listed as O-line. I'm not sure if he's inside or out, maybe both. And uh, we already know about Marcus May being out. He'll be out for the next few weeks. Um, that's no no surprise. I believe uh, Elijah Moore is trending in the right direction. Um, he's day-to-day, so maybe there's a possibility he comes off the concu- concussion protocol this week. Uh, we do know that uh, Brandon Eccles got injured and had to leave the game and went under concussion protocol, so who knows what his status is. Um, I will say Javon Gidry came in and played pretty darn well um, in a pinch and um, not too shabby for a guy that's your backup nickel corner going on the outside. And even though, you know, Jeff got lucky, we didn't go up against A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, which is a completely different story. Uh, but he did hold his own with, with the crew that the Titans had out there. Um, not really seeing any specifics on Hamza here, so I'll have to dig a little bit deeper and find out what's going on with him. But unfortunately, he's going on the IR. I know that, that you know, normally that's like eight weeks. Um, not sure if this is going to be short-term or not. I guess we'll just have to continue to, to dig deeper as more injury, I mean, you know, more news comes out on Hamza's injury. Um, I'm not sure. Was there anybody else, Dylan, that you, you're aware of? Um, I believe that with, was with all news? the injuries. You hit it on Eccles. Okay. Um, and Hamsa were the big ones out of the game. Uh, Jeff Smith is also okay. in the concussion protocol. I think he's a little bit behind Elijah Moore. I think Elijah Moore is progressing mm. slightly better than him, so maybe we'll see more back before Smith. But I believe other than that, they're pretty pretty healthy going into the London game. Uh, and it also looks like they signed Austin Walter. I think that was one of the guys that they had as a training camp body and he did have some splash plays in the preseason. Mm-hmm. So it looks like he's been brought into the practice squad as well. Um, I don't know what's even speculated about that one there, just a body. Um, but he did look pretty good at times during camp. Um, but, yeah, you know, uh, just to give my – go back to uh, the game against the Titans, it was interesting because uh, as I was watching the recap last night, you know, when you're sitting down um, at home – 
you know, you, you can, you know, if you have DVR, you can pause, you can rewind, you can do this, that. Um, when you're at the game, you know, if you leave your seat um, to go to the bathroom and get food or do this and that, you, you could miss a lot. And, you know, there were certain plays that, you know, I, I definitely missed um, being at the game. Um, great experience always being at the game, but sometimes you do miss things, you know, little tidbits here and there. So as I was doing my rewatch last night, didn't realize it was not that really a bit of an exciting game for, you know, the first two and a half quarters and then kind of things, you know, elevated in the, uh, in, in the mid to late third. And then the fourth quarter was pretty much the most exciting part going into uh, the overtime as well. So it was nice to see that the jets were actually executing on certain plays and, and, and making plays and, and receivers were catching the football rather than leaving Zach Wilson high and dry uh, pass protection, I do feel, was was marginally better um, from previous weeks. Um, Zach was still running for his life in certain plays and, you know, kind of some odd things, too. I think there was a couple box snaps out of the shotgun, too, that, you know, ended up working out to our favor. Um, but, you know, had they gone the other way, I'm sure we'd be talking about, you know, how Connor McGovern needs to get his, his act together. So, uh, yeah, definitely mm-hmm. very exciting. Um, ending to the game and, um, you know, certain plays, I just kept telling my friends, please pinch me. Where's the flag, you know, especially on the deep pass to Keelan Cole and then that touchdown to Corey Davis and, you know, Jamison Crowder did some sideline work, which was beautiful. Um, You can't, you know, I could probably go on and on about, you know, Jamison Crowder's effect in this offense. Um, it, It really feels like we can fire out on all cylinders when he's in the mix and uh, he's clearly been one of those pieces of the puzzle that we've been missing um, from the past three weeks. So hopefully Jamison continues to uh, be healthy and, and contribute. Uh, and, yeah, you know, um, I can't even remember the last overtime win the Jets had. And uh, for them to pull that out uh, was great. You know, maybe this was one of those scenarios where Tennessee lost the game more so than we won the game, being that they missed the field goal and they were – um, within reach to tie that and bring it to double overtime. Uh, but at the end of the day, a win's a win. I'm glad the Jets finally got one in the books. First win for Robert Sala as a head coach. First win for majority of the rookies on the field. Um, and, and, of course, you know, the man Zach Wilson. So uh, really, really excited about that. Um, what do you want to talk about first, Dylan? Let's, let's just do each side of the ball here. Do you want to do offense or defense first? Ooh, let's start offense, and I think – you you mentioned it right away. You kind of triggered my brain with the return of Jamison Crowder. I think his presence alone made a huge difference in this offense. He's already played in the system in Washington. So for him to come back in and actually make a difference in the ball game, I want to look up his stat line real quick. But this is the three groups, of, uh, the three wide receivers that Joe Douglas envisioned when you go back to the pre-draft process. He had Corey Davis, newly signed. Keelan Cole, who knew, was newly signed, and Jamison Crowder. And that was supposed to be the starting three. So it was really good to see all three of them on the field and producing they, all three of them. Uh, so Jamison had 61 yards, Keelan Cole had 92, and Corey Davis had 111. So for that wow. to be your three wide receiver group, I, I say good job, Joe Douglas. We can give him all the, you know, the, the gripe for the O-line and the tight end situation, but when you fully see the – the wide receiver position blossom like this. I think this is what is really special about this offense. So I think that, that right there was 
probably my number one takeaway from the offense, other than obviously the Zach Wilson off script, you know, high risk, high reward, which in the draft process was probably the thing that either you, you really loved about him or you might not have been too favorable about him, you know? So this is the, Mm -hmm. the high reward side of it. And I think you saw the high risk the first few games and sure he had that pass to Corey Davis, which was, probably not the the smartest pass anyway, whether he slipped or not on the route. But I think Zach, Zach Wilson's completely learning from each scenario and each game. You're not really seeing him make the same mistakes twice. His only real downfall is his footwork through the first three games. I haven't gone back and completely zeroed in on it this fourth game. But I think mm-hmm. when he had the time in the pocket this this last game, he made – them pay and then when he got outside the pocket he also made them pay so this is the type of quarterbacking that goes along with the Lafleur Shanahan offense where you can be lethal inside and out so those are my main two points I think uh I, I don't know if you agree or disagree or have something different but I think those are definitely my my, my main two yeah um you know when I was looking at you know, the body of work, obviously, um, this was the least amount of turnovers that Wilson has had in, in his first four games. He has turned the ball over in every game thus far. He's on pace for 30-plus inner turnovers this year. Uh, so hopefully he gets a, a hold of that and we get a couple games without any turnovers. I'd like to see that. That would show progression. Uh, but he was, you know, when he was given time, he made plays. Um, He was able to create when things broke down. These were things that we haven't seen over the last few weeks. So kudos to him finding a way to keep the play alive and keep the sticks moving. Now, there's something that you brought up that that has been stuck in my mind for the last few weeks and, and something that I took notice of when I was going through Zach Wilson's college film. And, you know, there's certain plays to where you know, he's got that gunslinger mentality, so there's a, a confidence, maybe an overconfidence with with the arm, and he's a, he is a risk taker. Um, like you said, some plays, you know, you, you're holding your breath, your hands on your chest, uh, and it's either a 50-50 chance of it's not going to go our way or it ends up being a great play. Obviously, this was in favor of Wilson and for the Jets this past week. So what I would really like to see Zach do moving forward is clean up those little mechanical mistakes um, because clearly he has the arm talent to, you know, make every throw. But every now and again, I've noticed that there's some placement issues to where he's not leading his receivers. They're, the guys are making adjustments. The ball's on their back hip. We saw some plays where the ball was down by their knees or, you know, down by their feet. Some some balls didn't even make it to, to the guys out into the flat. Um, you know, specifically what, what sticks out in my mind is that overtime, um, that our first overtime series that we had, um, Wesco was wide open in the flat. Um, you know, Wesco's a huge dude, 6'5", 6'6", something like that. you got to hit the guy in the numbers. You can't put that ball lower than his waist. It's already, you know, hard enough for a big guy like that to get out in motion and get open, um, come working his way through traffic. you got to put a, you got to put that ball in the numbers is how I feel. And, you know, to critique, you know, we've been pretty positive, but we have to shoot it straight here um, mm-hmm. for Jet Nation Radio. And it really, really got my, my goat when I think it was Griffin 
in that in the red zone that was coming out into the flat, and he just threw it right into the dirt. I mean, that was a walk-off touchdown right there. We don't even have to worry about the field goal. The game was right there for us, and the fact that we couldn't punch it in being that close, just, you know, you feel that, oh, no, here we go. We're going to give the game back to them is how you felt. Um, Oh, yeah. But we, we did come away with the win, which was great. But, of course, you know, we can't sugarcoat it here. We have to shoot it straight. Um, there's always room for improvement, especially with these rookies and young players. Um, I think Zach did a really, really great job. But I do feel that, you know, a lot of these little errors that we continue to see, um, they're mental, um, they, they're correctable. And, you know, from everything that we hear, this guy studies the film. He's a junkie when it comes to, you know, crunching the tape. And uh, hopefully, you know, these are the little things that he can start working on and improving. Um, and, and, you know, these are building blocks for him to, to get better on. So to take a, a negative and turn it into a positive, all this stuff is correctable. I think he's going to be able to get this figured out. And, you know, if the Jets protection gets better, I can only see, you know, the arrow pointing up for this offense and Zach Wilson. Um, but we talked about Zach. Um, who else stood out to you uh, on Sunday offensively? Um, definitely Corey Davis. I think, you know, he showed up again. Obviously, he went away for the first uh, – he was there the first week. He had the two-touchdown game and then came back against New England and only had eight yards. So it was nice to see him come back and have over 100, uh, 110 yards or 111 yards with the score. He had that fumble that had me panicking and – you know, ready to go to Twitter up in arms, like, why can't he just hold on to this ball? But he did okay towards the end. And, uh, I mean, I think he is clearly the number one wide receiver in this offense, but it's not always going to look like that. There's going to be weeks where, like, Keelan Cole had the big the big catch. Somebody's going to push him to be the, the leading receiver for the week. So I think it's it's also – like a double-edged sword for the defense. It's like, can you cover Corey Davis and stop him from taking the top off and going for two plus touchdowns? Like we know he can, or do you try to play everybody else around and, you know, see what you can do there because Keelan Cole, Jamison Crowder, and eventually hopefully Elijah Moore are all going to burst in this offense. So Corey Davis is definitely the one that I'm watching the most to see how not only he performs, but how they react to him. And then on the offensive line, I was actually pleasantly surprised with what I saw so far from Elijah Vera Tucker in this game specifically. I haven't gone back and done all the all 22s mm-hmm. of the losses, but when I went back and watched the first, I think I'm almost at halftime, he was doing really well. And the fact that he stayed healthy 100% of the snaps all four games so far. So he's another one that I'm really watching every week and making sure that you know, he stays healthy and he's progressing. And unfortunately, you know, offensive linemen don't get the love league-wide, but he's somebody that could have potentially been a a rookie of the year candidate just based off his draft hype. So it's nice to see him living up to, you know, the 14th overall pick worthy of the trade-up with the two third-round picks. So I've been pleasantly surprised by him. But, yeah, I think Wilson, Davis, and Elijah Tucker are my top three for the offense this week. How about you? Yeah, and, and I'm glad that you mentioned AVT because I did see something, uh, I think, from PFF. Uh, I think it was, like, out of 38 uh, pass protection snaps 
he had zero uh, pressures let up. So I would have to say within the first three weeks, his pass protection needed improvement, but his running, mm-hmm. his uh, his pass, his run blocking was was definitely solid. Um, and to see him improve a little bit in the pass protection department was, you know, double thumbs up over here. So good to see that ABT um, is progressing because he, you know, we were a little concerned with that pec- the pectoral injury that he had had during training camp. He did miss a lot of time, a lot of those mental and physical reps. Um, you know, he had to just kind of sit things out. And uh, it, it's difficult when you're expected to be a starter, a plug-and-play guy, and, you, and you've missed, you know, some really, really crucial uh you know, training camp moments. So I'm glad to see that he's also progressing. You know, uh, I'm looking at the uh, the box score right now as we speak, and I think the one thing that really intrigued me is that um, we didn't run the ball very well um, last week. Uh, you know, 38 yards for Michael Carter um, was our top rusher of the day. But, you know, we were put into situations where we were forced to throw. And, you know, like you said, Zach distributed the ball quite well. We almost had two receivers with over 100 yards. Um, you know, Cole had 92 yards. Corey was over 111. Um, you know, a couple scores from Zach, which was great. Uh, and he and he got the he distributed the ball fairly well. I mean, majority of them went to Jamison Crowder, uh, which is fine. You know, that's what he he's there to do. Uh, definitely a positive because we've been forced to play. You know, guys with of lesser talent, Braxton Berrios good guy, but I'd much rather see Crowder in, in, in that spot. So I'm definitely glad that, you know, we haven't gotten it all together, you know, and it's a work in progress. I get that. Uh, and eventually, you know, once the offense is firing on all cylinders, um, quite exciting to see, you know, what the potential could be uh, because Elijah Moore is somebody that we expected a lot of from, and things have been kind of slow for him out the gate. He hasn't been healthy. Uh, you know, but I, I do think that, uh, you know, the ceiling is very high for Elijah Moore. And once he starts getting more, you know, acclimated into this offense, I think it's really going to be exciting moving forward. So uh, love to see a little bit of improvement from the running game. Um, glad offensively that they got the passing, you know, much better um, because the last few weeks have just really, really been abysmal. Um, I think we're ranked like the 32nd offense in the league or something crazy like that. So um, just kind of feels like our, our past is still haunting us here with our offensive woes. So, uh, you know, got a, got a stack on what we did this week and build on it for next week and continue to improve in all categories. Um, so let's see here. just want to check the board here. Glenn has not called in yet. We're expecting him to call in soon. Um but yeah, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about this defense because there's a lot of guys on my mind that um, I'm pretty excited about, uh, and and a lot of really really good game, uh, good plays and production uh, defensively this past week. So uh, yeah, kick us off and and, and let us know uh, who stood out to you in your mind on on the defense. Yeah, we already talked a little bit about C.J. Mosley. I mean, he's just doing everything in this defense, 13 total tackles, a sack, tackle for loss, quarterback hit, played 100% of the snaps, 
which in this game specifically was 100 total snaps. So kudos to him for playing 100 snaps. And, you know, Mm -hmm. the other guy who played 100 snaps in this game, every single one, Bryce Hall, he has been lighting up everywhere. Every every uh, wide receiver he's gone against has not had a productive day in the grand scheme of things. There's been, you know, minor plays here and there that he's let up, but that's really not on him. He's not getting beat. It's just the coverages are having him drop too far back in zone where they can just throw the underneath. He's really not getting beat by any of these wide receivers, and it's great to see. He had he had a half a sack and three passes defense just this past week. That's more than you can ask for from your cornerback. And coming into the season, I was – I thought I was like pretty low on Bryce Hall overall. I said, you know, he's an average cornerback too, but you're definitely going to want to upgrade potentially both spots when it was him and Bless Austin on paper. And now I think he's proved me completely wrong. He's a surefire cornerback too. And by the end of this year, if he keeps going this way, he could be a cornerback one for this team moving forward. So I love everything I've seen out of him. I think you can highlight every single player on the defensive line. So, I mean, Quinnen just had his day, you know, this past week with two and a half sacks. And then his brother, Quincy Williams, who, you know, he got off to mm-hmm. a little bit of a rocky start when he first came to the team, but that's as expected. But the scheme that he played in Jacksonville wasn't terribly, you know, different than what he's playing now. So it took him a couple of weeks to get his feet underneath him. And the last two weeks he's had 18 tackles, four tackles for loss. He just had a sack this past week a forced fumble, and he's playing 95% of the snaps in the last three weeks. So to come in and just hit the ground running like that, I mean, my hat's off to him. He's definitely been a bright spot at a position that I think all Jets fans were pretty skeptical about after, you know, C.J. Mosley on the depth chart. It was just a bunch of rookies and unknowns. So to have him come in has just been been great. So I think those are my, my three biggest. But then I was also surprised – and impressed with how the safeties played. I think it was Sherrod Neesman, Ashton mm-hmm. Davis, Gerard Wilson, and Adrian Colbert, all four of them. They played very well. They didn't get burnt over the top. I know they didn't have their two-star receivers, whatever. They still didn't get beat over the top. They, they played solid. They, they were coming down into the box and making plays as well. So I think losing Marcus May was a big blow last week, but these safeties definitely stepped up, and you can tell that Jeff Ulbrich and Robert Sala have uh, got this defense that we steered in the right direction out the gate. So, yeah, you know, I I definitely like the fact too that that Ashton Davis was was kind of forced to come into the game because, um, you know, Colbert is coming in a pinch and he's done, you know, a decent job and definitely room for improvement there. Mm-hmm. But you could see that there was a big difference when Neesman and Davis were kind of the, the combo back there compared to yep. Wilson and Colwart. Um, so hopefully that's the pairing moving forward until Marcus May gets healthy and comes back. Um, but to talk about our, you know, to stay on the defensive back uh, field here, I saw off of PFS that um, out of the top 20 cornerbacks in the NFL, right now Bryce Hall is ranked 16th, and then they have Michael Carter ranked 19th. Uh, so for a couple guys that came out of the fifth round, you know, Hall two years ago, Carter this year, this previous draft, uh, that's pretty solid to have that kind of production coming from that that late in the draft. You know, 
if the Jets were ever everything figured out on this roster and make a run for the Lombardi Trophy, you could clearly say that these gems that came from the fifth round have a lot to do with why, you know, they would be successful. So um, definitely excited that these young guys are performing so well. Um, I also read earlier today um, that uh, he was targeted, uh, Bryce Hall was targeted like nine times in the game and only let up two receptions, uh, which is really, really impressive. Um, And then there was another crazy stat that I had saw that um, out of all corners in the league, uh, it was like a certain amount of yardage that he let up and nobody else has done that. Um, Man, I wish I had pinned that um, because that would be fun to talk about right now. But uh, needless to say, uh, he's playing great. and it looks like, you know, the Jets might have themselves a true number one corner in Bryce Hall. You know, I talked about him a few weeks ago. You know, what I saw when I was seeing him in camp, uh, you know, guys are dancing, talking, you know, just kind of just doing like, you know, what meathead football guys do. And, and Bryce Hall is like, he's got his game face on, you know, in practice. He, the way he goes yep. into practice is the way he goes into Sunday. Um, he's very serious about his business. And, Seeing him off the field, he seems like a very humble, kind of quiet, gentle kind of guy, but he is all business when he is out there. And I'm glad to see that he's put in the work. He takes this very seriously, and you can see early on that that's starting to show. And he was also credited for a half a sack game, too, which I thought was pretty awesome. So, you know, Bryce Hall doing things that you don't, we haven't really seen from the cornerback position in quite some time. And uh, to continue to talk about the defense here, um, you know, you talked about uh, both of the the Williams brothers. Um, Man, when we were talking about how abysmal the linebacker core was looking um, after Jared Davis got hurt and, you know, we we knew we couldn't count on Blake Cashman because, you know, he's just got injury after injury after injury over his years. And behind him it was looking a little grim. glad that the Ravens decided to part ways from him and we were able to pick him up, not only creating that brotherly love on the team, uh, but the fact that this guy, you know, just has a nose for the football. Not too sure about how his coverage ability is, but I'm not really concerned about that with the dynamic of our defense. The fact is, see ball, get ball. And that's what I saw from Quincy. Like a, you know, a just shot out of the cannon on certain plays. And there are not many yep. people in this league that can upend and put Derrick Henry on their keister. And he did that a couple of <laughs> times on Sunday. Um, oh, you know, yeah. there was a couple pops that he, you could tell that his sack that he had on Ryan Tannehill early in that game, that carried over throughout the course of the game. Jets ended up with seven total sacks on Sunday. And, and the biggest and probably the most important one, was that Quincy Williams one because you could hear that hit all the way at the, you know, at the last row of the stadium upstairs. Um, he, he was just thumping people left and right. And, you know, his brother Quinnen, he's been playing phenomenal. He had two sacks on Sunday. Um, just love, you know, the dynamic duo with the Williams brothers uh, doing their thing. And, you know, full Alonzo Fadakasi, just one of those guys that continues to, you know, be overlooked. What he does 
you know, in the interior aspect for this defense is, is irreplaceable as far as I'm concerned. He sets the tone at the line of scrimmage, and, you know, a lot of these guys are benefactors with these pressures, hits, and sacks because a guy like him has to have, you know, more than two hands on him. Otherwise, he's, you know, one-on-one, Fadakasi will so you have to have at least one or two bodies to account for him, and that opens up things for everybody else. So I really, really like to see, you know, what he had going on. And then I think we already talked a little bit about, uh, you know, Javelin Gidry, you know, sneaks in nine tackles there, comes in in a pinch when Nichols gets hurt. Um, Got to love that. And um, John Franklin Myers, too. I think he's just been consistent and uh, really, really like to – just imagine what this defensive line could be with a Carl Lawson in the mix. Uh, it's just, you know, I'm just glad oh, that, you know, they, they, they have not, um, you know, lost out on that. Oh, looking at the uh, board here, I think Glenn is on the is on the line here. So let's see who this is. Glenn, is that you? Yes, it is. How are we doing, guys? Nice. All right, Glenn. What's we up? were just going over, Dylan and I. Um, we were, were on the defensive side. We did a little bit of the offense first and kind of named some players that kind of stood out to us out, um, from Sunday, and we were just kind of recapping uh, some of the defensive players, um, guys who stood out to us. So uh, ball's in your court. The floor is yours. Break it down, Glenn. What did you see from last Sunday? Yeah, listen, you know, uh, like I said on the uh, the post game, the YouTube wrap up, that I, I feel like because quarterback is it's it's the sexy position and it's a young kid, you want him to do well. The Zach Wilson thing grabs the headlines, but in all reality, the defense was the story of this game. Um, the D line was absolutely phenomenal. I actually said I had eight sacks. It was seven, of course. I think I looked at uh, I think I looked at Quinty and, and Quinnen and looked at Quinnen both times when I was looking at the numbers. But either way. Seven sacks, eight sacks. They hit Ryan Tannehill. I think it was uh, eleven times. Nineteen pressures total. And this, this is just this D line. Uh, what I like about it, you know, you can. There, there's a lot of different ways to win in this league. You can win ugly. You can win in, in a, where you dominate. You can win where it's you know back and forth game. But I, I love it when 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 you win in a way where you can say things are coming together the way they were planned to come together. You know what I mean? Like we sit. How many times did we say this off season? that if this D-line played to their full potential, they can play with anybody. And that's the way they played the other day. And, yeah, of course, look, it wasn't a perfect game. Wilson could have made some better throws and closed it out. But, again, it's game four. Like, he's he's still a baby. He's still a baby out of a, a smallish program. So it, you just want to see him. And look at the plays he made. That, that to me, the, 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 the thing that made Wilson Wilson's performance so impressive or important was that we saw – so many of the things that we saw on film in BYU where we thought, does this carry over? Will he be able to do this as a pro? Um, we saw some tight window throws. We saw deep ball accuracy. We saw the ability to throw the ball on the move. We saw the ability to escape pressure. All of these things that he did consistently in college that you say, okay, but can he? will it translate for him? Because we, we see it every year with the draft. You see a guy do something in college that looks phenomenal. And for whatever reason, that jump to the pros, that whether it's the game getting a little quicker or the guy not caring quite as much, he got a paycheck, like it just doesn't translate. And the guy doesn't do the things in the pros that he's able to do in college. And with Zach Wilson, I feel like what we saw from him the other day was the, 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 the most complete game he's played in terms of 
you know, accuracy down the field to the sideline, you know, the deep ball to Davis, of course, the deep ball to Cole down the left sideline. That was a beautiful throw, the way he just dropped it in the bucket, uh, some some throws in tight coverage. It was just, it was a complete game for him. Again, not perfect, far from a perfect game, but he did a lot of the things that we hadn't seen yet, and uh, and he looked good doing it. And, again, the D-line, you know, you're talking about Quincy Williams, he was phenomenal, um, you know, people getting on him because the two potential interceptions, which I get, you know, because even as I'm watching the game, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm asking myself or I'm saying to myself, they look like he had a chance to pick that. Did he, did he not look up? And then, you know, short off the broadcast team says there was another chance. But, but listen, he, you, can't, you can't take every single play a guy makes and, and criticize it because it wasn't an even better play. Um, you know, if, if you're going to do that, you can just criticize every single play that's not a touchdown. Um you know, or a sack or whatever. He just, he made plays. Quinn and Williams made plays. Uh, I just heard you mention Foley Fadakaki. That guy, to me, um, and I tweeted it out today because I just I feel like when I watch the games um, and, you know, just focus on the line, I feel like he's the guy who who is doing the best job of beating double teams, of just dominating up front. And he just he doesn't get the accolades for it <clears throat> because he's not, he's not the big name, the, the first-round pick like Rankins and Williams are. But he's just—he's a force up front, and uh, he's a guy I think they're gonna have to—they're gonna have to shell out some cash for him and JFM. So great, great job up front, and the corners, and and we're gonna see it again this week. Um, I'm really anxious to see these corners like get really, really tested, because they've been phenomenal so far in the early going. But you know, you're facing like you know when you face Darnold, it's it's 50 dump off to McCaffrey. And then you're facing teams that don't have, like, these stout, top-level, uh, you know, receiving cores. We saw it this week with Tennessee with guys dinged up. They were playing backups, which I'm not taking anything away. I'm just saying I'm anxious to see these guys against upper-tier receivers. Um, and in the coming weeks, hopefully they uh, they get some of those matchups. But I thought the corners were great. I thought the D-line was great. Um, and it was fun. Like, Jesus, when, I mean, not only – of course, they won a couple of games last year that we could talk about, but those were wins that they largely meant they they were wins we didn't even want. Like, when was the last time the team won a game that you wanted them to win? You know, yep. <laughs> Jesus, it's kind of crazy when you think about it that way. Like, this is the first time they won a game I wanted them to win in probably two years because um, it's it's been it's like tank and tank and they stink anyway and they start every damn season zero and five, so it doesn't matter. By the time they get a win, you know the playoffs are out of reach. Um, so it was fun to watch, and I, I you know, and listen, we got to give credit to this O line. George Fant, it's a weird thing. I don't know if you guys remember me saying it a while back when he, you know, when he was going to kick to left tackle, because I do think it's a rare thing. You don't see it often, but he strikes me as a guy who is better suited at left tackle than right tackle. And really, this O line was much improved this week. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you saw AVT, no pressures, no hits on you know, yep. however many path block reps. So everyone looked better. Van Roten didn't look great. You know, I think he got the lowest grade again. Um, he got beat a few times. But, listen, all in all, uh, the the O-line held up. And this is, you know, the O-line is like the one unit, at, at least I believe, that needs that. They need that first month of the season to build cohesion and get comfortable playing alongside each other. And we saw that this week. They were a much better team, so – so what do you know? Zach Wilson looks better when he has more time. Um, and even when he didn't have time, he made some big throws. So I'm excited. Uh, question for you guys, because I've been so busy today. I literally just a few minutes ago saw the status of, uh, of Hamza Nasruddin, 
Is, has the team released mm-hmm. anything on his injury? I don't believe so. Yeah, we were they talking about that earlier. Specific. <clears throat> yeah, I, I looked up Ethan Greenberg's article. It said that he was moved there. It didn't go into specifics on what he's been dealing with. And that's interesting because I was looking at the film and I was like, man, you know, it's interesting how Sherwood and, and Hamza were kind of the guys early on and they were just kind of saying, all right, these are going to be our guys for the future. Might as well just get them right in there. And uh, you could see how they've kind of been uh, phased out and clearly Hamza's dealing with injury concerns. So um, don't know what the timetable is with him. Unfortunate, but, uh, you know, glad that Quincy Williams has been able to step up in that linebacker position because we needed somebody to emerge from this group. And, um, you know, clearly we were not getting that with Sherwood and, uh, and Hamza. Yeah, yeah, Sherwood, you know, as I've said, he, he was my least favorite pick. Didn't love it. Uh, I did. I really, I really liked the Nasruddin pick, but neither one of them has really had an impact. But you just kind of hoped that as the games went on, as they got the reps, that they would improve. But with uh, Nasruddin now out, uh, for at least a few weeks. It's, you know, it looks like it's, I mean, <laughs> the numbers are really just staggering when you look at, uh, you know, Mosley and uh, and Quincy, you know, they, they combined for, what, 24, 25 tackles. But this is what happens when you're this good up front. I mean, they that D-line is going to eat up all your blockers. You don't have anyone. You're going to have to double one or two guys. You know, go ahead and, go ahead and try not doubling uh, too many, you know, if you don't double – Quinn and Williams, or you don't double with Sheldon Rankins, you're going to regret it. Someone's got to get double teamed, and you might have to double team two guys. So these these linebackers are going to have plenty of room to run around, and they they've had that so far. And it's fun. It listen, it's it, it's 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 one of those things where you know, even though that they started zero and three, and it was frustrating. I, I I saw both sides of it. Like I understand, I fully understand rookie quarterback, rookie coach, rookie coordinator. You know, six, seven, eight, however many rookie starters, it's going to take time. So I understand that, but that doesn't mean, as a Jets fan, I'm not fed up with the damn losing. I just want some wins. So you, you kind of, it, 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 you know, as I've said before, I think like the, the excuses are legitimate, but I still don't want to hear them because I'm just fed up. Um, and you want to see the team kind of turn a corner. And it felt like even though they were losing, they were doing enough good things that you kind of felt like. You know, as I said to someone before the game, who, uh, you know, a friend of mine out here in the U.K., and I was telling them that I'm going to be going to the game next week, and they, they don't really follow it, but they'll have the, the odd conversation with me about it. And I, I said, look, I said, this team is 0-3 right now, but they're, you know, they're a couple. Like, let's have a game where the receivers don't drop five passes and see what happens. Like, they're doing enough good things that if they eliminate one or two areas of where they've struggled – then this team is going to be – they're going to start winning. And now, you know, they did it this week. Now do they do it consistently? We have to wait and see. But um, what a bounce-back game for Corey Davis after that early – you know, he has to drop and then he has to slip that leads to the interception. And really, he starts getting dogged, and rightfully so. He's, you can't make the money he's making and still have all those mistakes. But he bounced back, had a strong game. Keelan Cole, you know, nice job by him. Um <laughs> Enzel Mims apparently played 10 snaps. Uh, I don't know if I believe that. But, um, <laughs> but listen, get, getting Crowder back was huge. And uh, and so what do you guys think? This, this is the other question I wanted to ask the two of you. At the time, I, did, I said I didn't like the way they handled the Crowder thing. Um, I think we're seeing how important this guy is to this team. 
but they just continue to disrespect him. Uh, well, I shouldn't say continue, but they did. It was a huge, huge thing they did to him this offseason, forcing a pay cut, likely will be traded or let go. It's, I mean, it, granted, it's only one game, but he brought some stability to that receiving core. Do you think it's a mistake for them to, to you know, we all, I think we all believe they're going to move on from him either before the deadline or definitely this offseason. Do you think it's a mistake, or do you think they should have just kind of let him, let him earn his money and, and get him out on the field and, and get him involved in this offense? Why don't you go first, Ellen? Sure. Um, I think even though, yes, it is, has only been one game, I think it would be a mistake to, to cut ties with him, trade him, or you know, let him get, go out of the building in, in any term. But I think, yeah, I think it's a mistake, first and foremost. You saw it 7 for 61, and he had the touchdown. He looked like the most he, – he looked like he was creating the most separation. I have to go back and, you know, see it on the all-22. But it looked like every time he caught the ball, there was not a defender near him. Whereas, you know, Corey Davis, he had, you know, the big plays, but he was blanketed, and, you know, he had to shake the defender off of him. So, yes, right now I'd say it's, it's definitely a mistake. And that could also change between now and the next four weeks, though, because Elijah Moore can come back from the concussion pr- protocol and, you know, show what we all think he can be capable of. But even if he does show that, why does that mean you have to get rid of Jamison Crowder? So, for me, I, I said it when they took the pay cut. He's probably not going to leave, and they probably have a plan for him. But how big is the plan if – if they plan on, you know, paying half. So it's, it's a weird situation, but absolutely not right now because he looks like the, the surest wide receiver on the team. Yeah, I had mentioned earlier um, that clearly there was a piece of the puzzle missing in this offense, uh, being that, you know, we're probably ranked 32nd or 31st. Um, you know, I, I got to check the numbers out again, but – I know that we were bottom of the barrel, and did you see the the small effect that that Jamison was able to bring to the table? You know, the the sideline catches, keeping the chains moving. Um, I think he had the most receptions of all the receivers. Um, he found um, the end zone in a very very critical point in the game. So, you know, either the Jets are going to showcase him for a probable trade down the line, which I couldn't put put it past uh, Joe Douglas to do that. Uh, because we do not have any long-term commitment to Jamison. And uh, clearly Joe Douglas is willing and able to get as much draft commodity as he can for the future. So uh, I wouldn't rule that out quite yet. Uh, But at the moment, with the given situation, not really having a lot of, you know, uh, production from the tight end position. The running backs are pretty moderate at this point, um, and that's, you know, me being favorable. So I think you got to keep who you have and who's producing at the moment to help Zach Wilson, um, you know, improve and, and develop and get better because, you know, if Jameson's going to be sure hands for the guy and we've had several drops over the past few weeks, I think the last thing you want to do right now is get rid of somebody like that. Maybe if things continue to digress for this team and there's not looking, you know, it already is not looking like a great season right off the bat, but, um, you still have to develop Zach Wilson. And I think having Jameson Crowder in the fold gives you that best opportunity. Um, but I do, I, I do understand, it, you know, later on down the road before that trade deadline hits, 
um, if they if a deal goes down. I wouldn't be shocked. But I think at the moment, I think you got to hold on to what you got until things start improving health wise and more chemistry is built within this team. Uh, take a look at the clock here. I think we're about at the 12 minute mark. Um, Glenn, do you have any other things you want to talk about uh, from the Titans game before we go into a little preview of the Atlanta game? Uh, Cause I know you will be in attendance, um, but yeah, anything else you want to cover with the game before we uh, move on to, to Atlanta? Yeah, no, no, nothing else really on the Titans. Um, just like I said, good win. Good, <clears throat> excuse me. Good to see Wilson do a lot of the things that we were hoping he'd be doing. Um, the Atlanta game coming up. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan's playing. He's he's playing decent football, but the, the Falcons are one and three. Their defense is just getting gashed. Uh, they gave up thirty plus in a couple of different uh, couple of different games now. In just uh, just four games, they've given up thirty plus twice. Once to Tom Brady and the uh, and the Bucks, and then once to uh, to the Washington Football Team. So it's not as if uh, it's not as if they're only they're only giving up tons of points to to big time teams. So you hope that the Jets can build on what they did last week. I you know to me guys in a perfect world, um, it, it's getting increasingly frustrating. Increasingly frustrating. I understand Matt Lafleur or Mike Lafleur has got his his offense that he wants to run. How he's going to run it. But the more I see these tight ends on the field, I just I just can't help but think, you know, and especially with Elijah Moore coming back, you know, how nice would it be to see some four and five wide receiver sets with the depth they've put together on this receiver on this receiving core, because I don't I don't know that there's a team in the NFL, and I don't mean that to be hyperbolic. I don't know if there's a team in the NFL that has five defenders who can match up if you went with you know if you went with Davis Moore Crowder Cole Mims. I don't think there's a team that can defend that. Um, now, you know, you know, I can go five wide all day because these teams just come after you. But, you know, mix it in a little bit. We just haven't seen it. We don't even see a lot of four wide. So um, that's unfortunate. But I think this Atlanta game is a chance for Zach Wilson to put up some big numbers again. Um, well, not you know, he didn't put up huge numbers last week. But they're playing a defense that's giving up a ton of points. Elijah Moore should be back. <clears throat> get, get him on the field with Crowder. I would imagine more on the boundary a little bit, Crowder in the slot, or maybe the floor does go four wide. That'd be nice. But, uh, but yeah, I, was, I, was, uh, I, I lied to myself and, and told myself I wasn't going to go to this game. But uh, even before the win, even before the, the win on Sunday, I, uh, I decided I was going to go. I'll be uh, second row at about the 30-yard line. And uh, hotel's oh, nice. booked and games booked and, and the train to London is booked. Normally I drive it, but I'm like, you know what, I'm going to – I'm gonna I'm gonna read. I'm gonna relax and not have to worry about the London traffic this time down. So um, I'm looking forward Mark. to it. Hopefully, I know, I know some of our listeners are gonna be there. I've already gotten in touch with a couple of them <clears throat> who are going oh, nice. to be in the area, and I plan on joining a couple folks for some adult beverages on the Saturday before the game, on the Saturday before the game, and, and maybe Sunday. I haven't decided what time I'm gonna head to the stadium, um, but I'll tell you. I don't know. If, have you guys looked at this stadium, by the way? No, I haven't. Only, only from Dude, you know previous you know uh, no. games. Not, Do not yourself really a favor. Feel that experience. Look at some of these yeah. stadium tours. Look at some of these stadium tours on YouTube. This might be the most amazing stadium in all of sports. I mean, wow. it's the first stadium in the world that has its own brewery on site. They brew their own booze in the stadium. The bar that. Uh, because the you know the previous venue the bar was 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 minuscule I'd, I'd been to, to that place, um, the new one, it runs the length of the field, 
So <laughs> it's it's like it's the the longest continuous bar in all of Europe, and it just it's all state of the art all across the across the board, and uh, I'm looking forward to going. Um, you know, not just for the game, but just to take in this venue that uh, the Tottenham Hotspurs, you know, ownership designed with, you know, keeping in mind that NFL games would be played on the field. And I believe one field slides out under the other so that the, so that the, uh, mm-hmm. so when the American football comes over, they're not tearing up their soccer field. Um, it's actually two mm-hmm. different surfaces that they play on. So looks incredible. Do yourself a favor. Go on YouTube, put on, you know, White Hart Lane, Tottenham Hotspur uh, Stadium Tour, and the place will blow your mind. I can't wait to check it out. But I do have to run, fellas. Glad I was able to call in. And uh, hopefully full show next week. And, uh, you know, I'll be able to join you for the full show next week and hopefully talking about another win. Awesome. Great. Glenn, have a great have fun time, at the game. dude. And take pictures, you know, and uh, – just enjoy yourself, man, regardless of the outcome, man. That, that's quite an experience you just brought up. And uh, I hope one day I can, uh, can you know, do it in person as well because uh, I've always, you know, been intrigued about traveling to games and things like that. So uh, have a great time, all right, Glenn? All right, you guys enjoy it from the tube. And, uh, Dylan, great to have you back, buddy. Like I said, looking forward to a full show next week. Thank you. All right, Glenn. Thanks all right, so much. take care, guys. Bye-bye. Take care. All right, Dylan. So we got about just under seven minutes left in the show. So um, why don't you go ahead and, um, you know, give your, your takes on what you think is going to happen between the Jets and Atlanta. I just shared some, some notes I took from earlier uh, today and actually was kind of just looking um, at some things right here, and I'll, I'll kind of give the fans just a couple of ranking things that I saw. But, uh, yeah, break it down. What do you think uh, with this weekend's matchup? I think it's – it's a favorable matchup for the Jets when you look at it on paper. I mean, offensively, the Falcons have Calvin Ridley, who would probably be the best receiver this cornerback group is going to face to date. So that's going to be a bit of a problem. They also have Kyle Pitts, the rookie from Florida. So, you know, the linebackers are going to be stressed and the safeties are going to be stressed trying to keep him in check. But other than that, I mean, their running game hasn't gotten going much at all. Matt Ryan isn't the Matt Ryan of years past where he's throwing 300 yards per game. I think he's slightly under that. So I think it's definitely a a favorable matchup for the Jets defense. And then like Glenn said, when, when the Jets offense is on the field, I think this could potentially be their biggest output of yards collectively. I hope they get the run game going and get over a hundred and, you know, a hundred rushing yards as a team. That would be great. And I think Zach Wilson has the potential to light up this defense through the air. Their cornerbacks are, you know, not too great. A.J. Terrell is a young corner, and I I believe they have some other young pieces around him. But I I definitely think this is one that the Jets could, you know, fly across the pond and and potentially steal. I don't think they're going to be favorites by any stretch in the the sports books. But I definitely think this is a game where you could – you could blink and the Jets are two and three going into the bye week. With some favorable matchups on the schedule, well, on paper, of course. And Mm -hmm. uh, so you're telling me we have a chance, huh, Dylan? All right. Um, I do feel that the Jets do have a chance as well. And, um, you know, like Glenn had said, both one and three. Um, The Jets are ranked 28th. Atlanta is 21st, but still with the same record. 
Um, as far as rushing offense, both are pretty comparable. Jets are 29th, Atlanta's 25th, so they clearly have not been able to get their running game going as well. As far as passing offense, Jets are 27th. Atlanta, again, in that 21st spot. Um, defensively, the Jets are 12th against yards allowed um, against the pass, whereas Atlanta's 21st. So pretty consistent for Atlanta in that 21st ranking. So at the moment, on paper, it looks like the Jets have a better uh, passing defense than Atlanta. And against the run, the Jets are 22nd, Atlanta's 18th, and both of these teams have zero interceptions. So uh, I think that this is a little bit more even than, than we're anticipating. Clearly, Matt Ryan's way more experienced than Zach Wilson, but I've seen the way Matt Ryan plays when the pressure meter has been you know, put against him, and I think that that's the recipe that we're going to need. Um, if the defense can go out and perform in the same manner that they did against the Titans and put pressure on uh, Matt Ryan, I think it's going to be very favorable for the Jets. Uh, shut down the run, put pressure on Matt Ryan. Let's see if we can get our first turnover or interception of the year. Um, don't know who that would be. Hopefully it's, you know, somebody like Michael Carter or Bryce Hall. Um, but, yeah, I do feel that, you know, the Jets might have a little bit of momentum from last week's win. Hopefully it carries over. It's a little bit bizarre because you got a long flight, you know, you had a uh, time zone change and things like that. So hopefully the Jets, you know, get rested and can, uh, you know, get through that jet lag and, and still have enough energy to uh, come out with a win on Sunday. So, you know, my prediction for the game, um, and you can do a prediction too if you want, uh, Dylan, I'm saying that the Jets come away with this 24-20. to 20. Um, Another uh, day for Zach Wilson to improve and develop, and I do think that uh, we might find a little bit better um, numbers this week than last week as we continue to build. Uh, what's your prediction, uh, if you want to throw one out there, Dylan? I'm going to give you a little three-leg prediction. I'm going to predict okay. that the Jets win 17-12. to 12, And I say 12 okay. because my second prediction is I think that the Jets keep Atlanta out of the end zone. I think it's four field goals. Mm. And I also think that both teams get their first – interception of the week. I think Zach throws one, but I think we get one back from Matt Ryan. <laughs> well, you know, if, if the stats have been telling us anything, um, it looks like Zach might be good for one. Um, so before we close out the show, just want to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Last week I did a, uh, you know, I had a special guest, Donnie, from Sportsbook Review. Glad that they're joining JetNation.com. Go to SportsbookReview.com to get expert advice and in, increase your experience when you go out there and you, you make your picks with confidence. So sportsbookreview.com, go get your games in order and get your picks right with the experts helping you out. And lastly, big shout-out to milesocial.com. Improve your social media presence with MileSocial. Go to milesocial.com to see what they can do to bring your company to the next level. Dylan, I have to say, this hour went super fast. It was a lot of fun. Um, glad to be talking ball with you. Glad Glenn could come in and join us. 
Um, and for everybody, don't forget, JetNation.com. you got to go to the forum, sign up, number one fan forum in the NFL. And, uh, man, you know, uh, can't wait till Sunday. Um, you got any big plans set up? It's a little bit odd, you know. Uh, we got a 9.30 a.m. game, so uh, I don't know. What, what's your routine? Um, you know, we still got some time. We can continue to roll here. But what's your routine looking like for Sunday, Dylan? Well, I put out the um, the inactive list article for Jet Nation every Sunday, so that comes out 90 minutes prior. So I'll have to make sure that I'm up and ready to go by 8 a.m. <laughs> to put that out. But I'm I'm thinking yep. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna uh, probably stay at a friend's house so I can wake right up and be right in game mode. And it starts at 9:30, so maybe the fridge will open at 9:35, depending on how the game's going. So. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good one. It's gonna be weird being done with all the football at noon and have the rest of the day to just you know relax and review the game. So definitely fun to be back in London. But waking up early is gonna be be tough. You got any plans? Yeah, um, not too much right now. I'll see what the crew's got in store. You know, I'm a busybody and I pace a lot before the game, so I try to keep my mind <laughs> a little busy by, you know. Mm-hmm. Doing chores, laundry, cleaning up, you know, just preparing for the, you know, for the week if I, if, you know, I'm doing meal prep or whatever, but, uh, looks like my Saturday is going to be quite busy so that I can just sit back, relax. I'm probably going to cook like a pound of bacon, um, over under bacon's got no chance against me on Sunday. That's a, that's a fact. Oh man. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm probably going to, uh, you know, have some sinful delights uh, on Sunday, you know, but that's what Sundays are for. We have fun. Um, you know, we try to enjoy the game and, and just uh, live that Sunday fun day experience. So I don't know if I'll be stepping out. It is a little early. I don't think, you know, there might be a, a couple crazy places that are open uh, to the public at 9.30 a.m., but not likely. <laughs> right. um, a little too early to go out and step out and, and cause some ruckus. Uh, with the locals over here. But, um, you know, like you said, at least we'll get the Jets game done early. Um, and then for the fantasy, you know, perspective, you can sit back and watch the games at 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock like I normally do. Uh, but, yeah, I'm kind of hoping that we start off Sunday on the right path with a Jets W, and, and that will just make the rest of the day so much easier and the week too. So uh, let's just call it right here. Um, good show, um, you know, Always have fun with you and Glenn when we're doing this thing. So um, let's close out here. And everybody, thank you for tuning in. Uh, Everyone, be well, be safe. And uh, let's hopefully next week we're talking about the Jets' second win, um, going on a 2-0 streak. Uh, You know, let's, let's just get it done, fellas. So everybody, be well, stay safe, and as per usual, go Jets. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!